It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the A-List Podcast. I'm Kwani A. Lunis with A. Sherrod Blakely. Sherrod, I realize I never gave anyone my middle name yet. We've had all these episodes. I still haven't told anyone. Well, I just put the A. See, Kwani, that is called a subliminal message. The A behind me is to remind you that at some point, you know, you're going to let the world know. (laughs) As always, yeah, BetOnline.ng, though, have to give them a shout out. They're our sponsors, and make sure you check them out at betonline.ag and use our code CLNS50 to get a discount and, you know, get yourself in the game, literally. Yeah. <laughs> like Sherrod has been doing on a regular basis. I, I have. And this was, listen, I, this was the first bad week I had. Uh, so I was due. Um, but the reason I had a bad week is because I changed things up a little bit. And I'll get into what happened uh, a little bit later on what I did differently, which was just an absolute. <laughs> You know, just I was I was bit. You know what it was, Kwani? I was feeling myself, feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I've been winning all this time. I can keep on winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, stick to what works for you, which which is a lesson I learned. Uh, didn't cost me as much as I w- it could have potentially cost me. But again, that's why BetOnline.ag is so awesome uh, with that fifty percent bonus. Uh, so that that certainly has helped cushion the blow of defeat uh, for me. But uh, they're they're an awesome partner, and we've got an awesome awesome guest uh uh, someone that i have certainly uh been admiring and just really respect the hell out of her work for a long long time and now we welcome in our guest the greatest of all time as sherrod loves to say doris burke nba analyst for espn and nbc thank you so much for joining us on this woman's history month Uh, thank you for having me really appreciate it you guys well, Doris, we're just going to cut straight to the chase and just get into the Celtics, the team that obviously around here people are talking about, thinking about, wondering about. Uh, you've, you've covered a couple of their games. What are your impressions of them? And, and, and just to be candid, have they been as big a disappointment to you as they've been to a lot of us here? You know, I think the thing that strikes me the most and that I'm most surprised at, to be honest, Kwani and Sherrod, is that um, – their defensive inconsistencies, right? You think back historically over Brad's coaching tenure with the Celtics, and they begin on the defensive end of the floor. And I'll start like in defensive transition. And the one thing that really kind of captures it, if I'm like seeing a vision in my head of Celtics defense at its best, like when Aaron Baines was there Mm. and dead sprint back in transition, Aaron would be at the free throw line. His arms would be out wide. People would be set 
I believe Brad has a term for it or some sort of terminology where he said like we're locked and loaded and we're really long. And so that's my vision. Everybody matched up, particularly on shooters at the three-point line. And, you know, like what is that inconsistency in the defensive transition all about? You know, you guys know this better than me. They've had some challenges personnel-wise, um, you know, people in and out of the lineup, no back-to-back -back for Kemba. How much of that is taking its toll in this most bizarre COVID season? But I guess if there's one thing I would say that's really surprised me, it's their lack of defensive consistency. And then my only other concern would be this. I, you know, I'm not a professional athlete. I am not enduring the rigors of an NBA season with all that is going on with that. But I did have COVID. And it took me a full eight months to feel back. And so as I hear Jason Tatum or Drew Holiday or some of these other NBA players talk about their battles with COVID and the physical impact it has on them as elite athletes in a physically demanding sport, you know, you just want to see Jason get back. And I don't know that he'll continue to talk about it. I think he probably regrets talking about it in the first place, if I had to guess. But I guess, and listen, there's time, right? Like Brad defined these these four games before the All-Star break is critical. Well, you're 2-0. and oh. And so, you know, is that momentum? Here's the thing, like, there's only three teams in the East that have separated themselves to this point and proven they're a level above everybody else, right? Th those are facts. You have time. And the Celtics can get positioned well in the second half of the season. Let's see how it plays. Well, I love the fact that you – made reference to time because that brings us to time lord uh who's someone i know that you uh you certainly like uh, some of what you've seen out of him and a lot of celtics fans have as well is it time for us to get more time lord than the 15 20 minutes that we seem to be getting from him yeah certainly i would like to see him play more but i'm not the one pulling the trigger on the lineups and and that young man to me is so captivating you know one thing that i always happens to me in the middle of a game is my eyes always drift towards somebody and it may be different people on different nights but for the Celtics I find myself watching this guy when he is sprinting end to end when he is rotating defensively and sending shots back like I'm just dying for him to pull a turnaround jump shot from like eight feet on the baseline or something because I, you know, you hear you hear these tantalizing suggestions that he's putting in the work and trying to come up with a move and a counter and all these things. Um, but certainly the level of athleticism, physicality, um, you know, and the fact that he's supposed to be a man that wants to work and get better, Sherrod, like that 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 intrigues me a lot. So. Yeah. the the, the thing The thing about Robert that I, I I it's hard for me to get past, and there's a part of me that thinks the Celtics are still in that we sort of kind of but not really trust him to be that guy uh because as you mentioned earlier doris when you talk about baines and and really al horford around that same period of time they had that defensive anchor they had that 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 one cog that connected that offense to defense and vice versa and rob is tantalizingly delectable watching him play <laughs> offensively the things that he can do there are very few players i've seen in the last five ten years at his size have that kind of athleticism the, the one guy that comes to mind is javel mcgee uh as far as really over the top athleticism but for all the highlights there's the offensive rebound that he throws away 
There's the, you know, takes one too many dribbles, that leads to a turnover. There's being out of position defensively. There's not communicating. There's all those little things that seem to, it gives the Celtics justification for not necessarily giving him the keys to the, the to, to the defense. But I, I think they need him to be that guy. If they're ever going to be able to chip away at those top three teams that you were, that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Well, so here's, the coaches navigate right and um especially a team that was below 500 for a stretch of time that has really kind of underperformed you know you can feel the pressure of on the boston celtics right it's almost something you could reach out and touch as you know they're they're dropping games and you know kemba got out of the gate slowly and all of those things and so how do you navigate getting rob more more minutes more video for him to to give you exactly what you talked about the mistakes uh the process of learning nba rotations and you know being strong with the basketball on an offensive board don't put it down you know don't pull it down survey the floor do everything you need to do but then try to win games like and you know here's something that's fascinating to me guys i go back to a podcast i heard with uh, woj and Eric Spolster and Doc Rivers. This is like two years ago, I think uh, at the start of the season. And it blew me away that both men said to this point, now they're both at that point championship coaches, mm -hmm. but they both referenced Sherrod and Kwani, they both referenced that rotations remain one of the most challenging aspects of what they do. Mm. Think about that. Championship level coaches still trying to, you know, know who's coming in when, who plays well with whom, uh, who's got it going on this particular night. Do we stretch their minutes out or don't we? Like, I find that aspect fascinating. I know I am in a constant state of, um, of learning. I feel like the NBA evolves and moves so fast that I'm always learning. So I can't imagine the challenges on these coaches, really. Mm-hmm. With that being said, what do you guys think would be the factor that Brad Stevens would consider Rob Williams to be a legitimate starter for his team? Gerard, you got a thought there? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I think ultimately, uh, I think Brad's hand is going to be forced. Uh, I don't think it's something that Brad is going to come to on his own because right now they're starting to play better. Rob is looking more comfortable, and they still have him in that 20-ish that uh, minutes per game range. But to me, the more telling thing about what's happening is at the end of games when Rob is on the floor. And that's something that Brad has preached all the time about, you know, who starts doesn't matter. It's who's going to close the game out. Who are my closers? Rob is at the point now where he's starting to gain Brad's trust and being – a closer and that to me is the one of the first steps towards him being a guy that brad will lean on at the start of games uh tristan thompson i think is, has done a so-so job he's done he's looked better lately but he hasn't he been last night yeah he hasn't been the presence that they i think were looking for this season in the middle and daniel tice you know bless his heart uh, he's going to give you what he gives you all the time. He's very consistent. He gives you a little bit of a, a stretch big, uh, not like Al Horford, not like Aaron Baines, but he gives you something in that regard. And then Rob is the wild card. He's the one guy who, when you start looking at their roster and who's kind of played at the level you expected or exceeded it, I kind of put him and Jalen Brown in a different category than the rest of the guys. Because I think those two guys have played, well, Jalen has played better than anyone on the team. 
Uh, Rob, I think in terms of improvement from last year to now, is probably right behind Jalen in that regard. Uh, I think it's a matter of, of when, not if Brad is going to insert him to the lineup, but I just don't think Brad is comfortable right now doing that. Can I ask a question? And you can go a little longer since I'm interested myself, but I <laughs> answer to this question. Um, uh, Daniel Tice, he seems to me to be uh, in the Celtics fan base, somebody that, you know, <laughs> triggers a little frustration. I see is a guy who is really smart defensively, who plays really hard consistently. He seems a little bit more confident on the offensive end. We all saw what teams did to him in Orlando. They just basically ignored him, challenged him to make shots and do all those things. You know, what is it about that guy that, that can trigger a little bit of frustration? Because I, I just see a guy who plays hard. Yeah, and I, I think they understand that Tice, again, bless his heart, uh, he has some clear limitations to his game. But that effort that, that you talk about, Doris, that's the thing that really resonates with Celtics fans. Uh, that's the thing that resonates with Danny. That's why when a number of teams, you know, the last couple of years at the trade deadline had interest in Daniel Tice, teams like the New York Knicks, for example, the Celtics rebuffed them quickly, said, no, thanks. We're keeping him. We don't we're not going to include him in any uh, trade talks or deals because they look at him as someone that they're getting significant bang for their buck with. Uh, and a guy that is not going to grumble or gripe about his role. I mean, whether he's starting, coming off the bench, plays 25, 30 minutes one night, five to 10 another, he's not going to he's not going to give you the pushback that you see from a lot of players uh, in this league. And if you're the Celtics, you know, having a guy like that is a luxury. Uh, and, and they understand that. But again, when we talk about this franchise being all about Banner 18, winning championships, is, is title or bust in, in Boston. Tice is not going to move you there as your main big. He's a complimentary piece. That's why the, the growth and evolution of a Rob Williams is so important because he gives you something that when you start looking at matching up with Philadelphia, when you start looking at matching up with Milwaukee, when you start looking at matching up with these upper echelon teams in the East, he gives you something that they can't counter, something that's positive for you. But again, with Rob, it's feast or famine. He can be incredibly engaging and dominant in a very low-key way. Or he can be incredibly problematic uh, at either end of the floor. So it's a great, it's a good conundrum of sorts for the Celtics. But Tice, who everyone knows I love to death, uh, hashtag war on Tice is always trending every game because he gets no whistles at all. No whistles. Uh, that guy, that guy brutal night by night with the whistles and I yes it's so true you know ideally he is the guy off the bench but that's not a Tice problem right that's a Celtic problem right that's that's right. A problem so it's interesting thank you for that answer yeah that's what we do <laughs> we talked a little bit about Kemba Walker he looked pretty good in his well not his return but last night versus the Clippers so do you guys think he's back or are we still waiting to see a little bit more to Figure or not, figure whether or not he's been consistent enough. Gerard, I'll let you answer that, but I'm <laughs> in here. You know, we saw in Orlando, right? If if Kemba is not the guy we know, which is a guy off the top of the key screens, you know, either side, that one dribble pull up real fast before the defense can react, versus the guy who in Orlando at the point of attack got completely engulfed by the double team, couldn't get by, didn't have burst. Um, if it's that Kemba, the Celtics trouble. If it's the 
Kemba that started to play over the last seven or eight games. Right, that can get by guys that can finish around the rim or spray it out. Um, then, then, then they're good. But um, you know, I'm biased, right? Like I've been watching this young man since he was 18 years old, and, and I just um, there's something to me about guys who can celebrate somebody else's success, mm-hmm. who doesn't um, have this idea that shine for somebody else means less shine for me. That's not what this is about. Like excellence requires everybody. It requires all 15 guys. And I feel like Kemba has an understanding of that. No, the, the thing about Kemba that I, to me, is the clearest indicator that he's pretty damn close to being back to where he's at is the smile. Kemba is one of those players who wears his emotions on his sleeve, on his face, in his body language. Everything about him, you can tell by just simply, you don't have to look at the stat sheet, just watch his body language. And that, to me, is why I think he's pretty close to being back. He's not all the way back, but he's pretty close. And his play is backing that up. But more than anything, it's his presence. Uh, Kemba gets it. Uh, this is this is uh, as, as Doris pointed out. I mean, you go back and you look at that UConn team that he put on that just that magical ride uh, through the NCAA tournament. Uh, that not everyone has the ability to be that good and yet be that deferral to his teammates, making sure they get shine, making sure that he talks about the bigs who are setting great screens for him, making sure that you know he's getting them involved offensively. A lot of the things that we see him doing in in Boston. Uh, and that's why he's been an ultimate uh, – if you had to pick the perfect player to fill the void left by Kyrie Irving when he left, uh, Kimba Walker would be that, uh, based upon talent, based upon fit, and, and based upon just joy of the game and joy for others that he plays with in the game. I don't think it's a secret why Kyrie Irving is much better uh, working with a couple of uber echelon superstars than he is a couple of on-the-rise superstars that's just where he's at um and again i i i love that kimba just gets it um i i i don't know if there's any other way to to put it better than that it's just that he gets it and you know what else you know who else gets it kwani you know who else gets it right bet online not ag that's right bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action (laughs) football season is over but the NBA and college basketball are in full throttle as we speak. BetOnline also has uh, awards, TV shows, reality TV, all that stuff, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. And, Kwani, I know you have a very vivid imagination, particularly when it comes to TV, sports, and all the above. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Not going to lie, I lost money on the Syracuse-North Carolina game because I took a different approach. Rather than going with my team to win Syracuse, which I usually do, I decided to do prop bets. Not going to happen again. Carolina scored the first bucket. I lost. Uh, Carolina (laughs) got to, I think, 10 first. I lost that. But Syracuse won the game. So I lost money. Syracuse won the game. I'll take that scenario every day and Sunday. Uh, Head to the website, betonline.ag. On your mobile device, sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember the promo code CLNS50 for 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports booking experts. Now, Kwani. Yes. 
Well, I want to quickly pivot. I have one question before we get into some games. We have the Brooklyn Nets, we have the Lakers, and we have the Utah Jazz. If one of these teams were to be the last standing in the NBA, which one of those teams would you take? Doom, 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 doom. The Nets. Ooh. Why? I'm surprised at myself because the Lakers uh, can, you know, uh, with the thought that Anthony Davis is back and healthy, have championship experience. They've been through the grind. Dennis Schroeder has made them better. Um, But I've just seen moments where Brooklyn has defended well enough. They certainly seem to understand that that's going to be a part of their uh, pursuit of a championship. And I just, you know, James Harden, you can make the case, is, is, is the MVP right now. I mean, he is really creeping up that ladder and putting himself in that space and just trying to contend with all three of those talents. How about the play of Bruce Brown? Boston's like, finest. Yes. No, seriously, a guy who uh, is known for, you know, the things he brings on the defensive end and the versatility and the ability to cross positions. But, but, but there's a... But there's a special talent in guys fitting around superstars. Mm-hmm. Those backward cuts, the timely offensive rebound, the extra possessions he's getting the Brooklyn Nets. Like, I'm surprised I went against the Lakers, but you you asked me why, and my first thought was Brooklyn, so I went with it. You know what? That, I tell you what, having just, you know, Talked about betonline.ag. I'm gonna I'm gonna gamble with this one, and I'm gonna go with the Utah Jazz. And wow. here's why: I think we're in a very unprecedented season that we're having, and typically things don't quite go as we anticipate them going. I think Utah is having some kind of just this cosmic synergy thing going on because every time I see them play, I can see them down by ten points, go to the kitchen, grab some OJ, come back, and they're up by seven in a matter of minutes. I have not seen a team that it's not even a question of them turning it on or off. It's them turning it up because they're always on. Uh, I think Quinn right now has done an amazing job. Uh, and, and the thing that I, I like about Utah is that in the past, you had to worry about home court advantage and, and, and disadvantage going into another building winning. Right now, it's all about the basketball. And they're playing better than anyone in the league. My one concern is that they stay healthy because one of their strengths has been that they've had basically the same three or four lineups all season long. They've played fewer lineups than any other team in the NBA. Uh, And so they've been able to maintain a a pretty high level of help with their core guys. Donovan Mitchell has been a low-key top five MVP candidate with his play. Gobert has just been, again, he's he's clearing space for that next Defensive Player of the Year award on the mantle plays. Uh, And and so – I like their chances in in an unprecedented fashion because the other thing about Utah that a lot of people don't realize, they're winning the they're one of the winningest franchises in NBA history, like top five all time winning percentage, and yet the teams ahead of them all have chips, all have championships. This I believe is going to be their year. I think it's a, it's been an amazing season in this regard, and it took a. a it took every single guy on that team sort of stepping out outside themselves. You know, Quinn Schneider wanted to maximize, as most teams do, the three-point shot. 
Those guys are all um, incredibly high character, but also unselfish basketball players. Mm -hmm. So it almost goes against their grain to, um, you know, first open three, take it. But as convinced, to your point about Quinn, he has convinced them that to do otherwise is selfish. And so the way they can spread the floor, the way they are just dominating from three, and we all know they've always... They've always understood the commitment required on the defensive end. Um, so between schemes and individual parts, they have enough. Listen, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me. None of the three teams you mentioned, Kwani, uh, should they win, it would shock me. And with that being said, I think we finally reached the era where the NBA postseason is no longer that predictable. So I wouldn't be opposed to a utah brooklyn nba final series i think that'd be pretty fun <laughs> oh i think we would like that i'm not sure if the bean counters who look at oh, radio would be that thrilled but i tell you what a chance to see james harden yeah. Kyrie, yeah and and you know our good friend kevin durant hopefully he's good to go by then mm -hmm. that's pretty enticing yeah. uh one of the things that a couple people i've i've, I've spoken to a couple league executives i spoke into about just that jazz team have mentioned to me was that they remind them of that 2004 Detroit Pistons team only better. And I'm like, well, how are they better? And they said, when you look at that Utah team from top to bottom, they have so many different ways that they can destroy you at the offensive end of the floor. Detroit under Larry Brown back then, they just beat you up uh, and found ways to win. Chauncey would get you 17, 18. Rip Hamilton would get you 17 or 18. And the rest of the guys are just pretty much mugging you up and down the court. That's how they had to play to win. Utah can be a team that beats you with finesse or force around the basket. When you look at Gobert, you look at big Derek Favors coming off the bench. Uh, and you look at Jordan Clarkson, who has to be, I think, the front runner for sixth man of the year. You start looking at their roster from an offensive firepower standpoint. And you tack on an elite team defensively, because they've always been pretty good defensively under Quinn. You have a team on paper that can hold its own against anyone in a best of seven series because they can beat you at either end of the floor any given day. So we're going to get into our games, but Doris, you actually answered the question, the first pick and roll question. I was going to ask who your league MVP was. You already gave us a hint to that. So I'm going to skip that one and go to our other game called fill in the lane. You get choice, you get choices. So Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown are both in the three point shooting contest. Blank will do better because of blank. Ooh, this is a good one. I know. <laughs> career percentage, my guess is, would be higher in one less year. Right. But I'm going to go, as we do in NBA, and go on the most recent things our eyes have seen. Mm -hmm. And Brown shooting lights out this season. Um, so I'm just going to go with the hot hand and say Jalen will do better simply because he's in more of a rhythm. How about okay. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not the right one. The right oh one. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he always I, finds a reason to disagree. I'm going to take Tatum. I'm going to take okay. Tatum just because I, I think that to the, to the point that we were, we were talking about earlier with, with him, you know, dealing with COVID and, and really, I think, working his way through that whole process of healing oneself and gaining more strength and confidence and feeling a rhythm, I think we're going to see Tatum with a, a little bit of rest for a contest like that. I think he'll do very well. Um, I love the fact that that Tatum, he has the ability to hurt you with the three ball from all points on the floor. Jalen has expanded in that regard, but I think Tatum has a little bit more muscle memory when it comes to three-point shooting at various spots on the floor. And I'm going to give him the slight edge, but 
again, the other thing that we, we also have to take into account is that the game's going to be in Atlanta. Jalen Brown played just, you know, a few miles down the road in Marietta, Georgia. So he's going to have a, a certain amount and he has played, you know, games in that area. And so he's going to be in familiar surroundings, which makes me a little bit queasy going with Tatum. But damn it, I'm sticking with JT. In solidarity with Doris, I'm also choosing Jalen Brown. Because of all the reasons you all mentioned. <laughs> Their guy is walking in the locker room saying, who's playing for second? <laughs> right, exactly. That's exactly. really what it comes down to. <laughs> wow. Uh, the, I guess the other thing, too, I wanted to talk about, Doris, really quick before we get out of here, um, is, is this is Women's History Month, uh, is. Which, is, which is a big deal. It's a big deal. And, and I'm glad that we're beginning our first episode in the month of March with you. Uh, mm -hmm. As Kwani alluded to, I've made no secret about thinking you're awesome at what you do. Uh, and, there are others, awesome. and there are others who feel the same way. Uh, your mantle place has gotten a little bit more crowded lately, which is a good thing. Um, just what are your general thoughts on just the, the state of, of women in sports journalism, particularly broadcast journalism? Where is it now and, and where would you like to see it going going forward? Can I take a broader perspective just briefly and then I'll hit on that one? Yeah. Um, I'm, I just would like to say, like, I feel like 2021 is the year of the African-American woman. And I'll go back to just the late, 20, you know, 2020. Um, Stacey Abrams' influence on so many things politically uh, in the country. Madam Vice President, I can't say that enough. And then Renee Montgomery shattering the glass and becoming the first, you know, former WNBA player with an ownership group. And I had read this study or, and I haven't, you know, delved too far into it, but I had read that African-American women are far more likely to aspire to the highest levels of society. And it just, I've been inspired by those women. So I just wanted to make that point first. Um, you know, we're, we're making headway, obviously. You know, you see a woman like Nina Kimes. You see Candace Parker. I'm watching her last night, you know, have dialogue with Shaq and Dwayne Wade and just her presence, the way she feels, the, the you know, the way, the command she has at such a young part of her career. Like, I am in awe of this next generation of women and the fact that they feel like they belong everywhere. It took me a good 30 years to feel that way. And I still can have some insecurity about that. So, listen, I'm thrilled with the progress, Sherrod um, and Kwani. And uh, and I just know, you know, and I remember uh, saying this to Kristen Ledlow one time, like, I am near the back end of my career. I'm quite happy about that as we see our, our business take all different forms now. And I feel like we are evolving. But I just know that the next generation of women is stronger they're more ambitious. Um, they believe they, they should be in all these places. And uh, I'll have a cocktail in my hand and celebrate that next group when I'm sitting back and I'm just a fan, that's for damn sure. <laughs> I'm sure you've gotten advice from men and women alike. So anyone that is aspiring to be a sports broadcaster, what is a, a piece of advice that you'd give them? I always say the same thing here, Kwani. Um, you know, never believe that any job that you're doing is too small. Because you never know who's watching, you never know who's listening. I was the WNBA New York Liberty radio announcer in 1997. And the only people who were listening to my telecast were when uh, uh, then Commissioner David Stern put us on 
Uh, if you called the NBA office, you were put on hold, you heard our broadcast. But it was an opportunity for me to hone my skills uh, when nobody was listening. And, and that was critical. And then I would just say, you know, have fun. Like, it's taken me a long time to just relax and have fun. I always felt like I was fighting for credibility because I was covering men's sports. Um, it's okay to have fun. Like the viewer, my son once said this to me, Kwani. We were watching, I think it was an Olympic telecast. And the, the two announcers covering the sport were having a nice time and great dialogue. And he just looked across at me and he said, I don't think you understand, mom, that when you're on the air and you're having a good time, it means we are with you. And I thought, holy smokes. You know, from the mouth of a then, you know, yeah. year old who's now 27, um, it, it really dawned on me that I just want the viewer to, to enjoy the game as much as I do, because I know how lucky I am to be sitting there. Wow. And we're lucky that you're sitting here with us. That's so I, I, am, I am just thrilled and ecstatic that, that we, could, we could have this time to, to talk basketball, uh, because that's really ultimately what, you know, what we do. That's, this is what we do, whether you male, female, you know, this is what we do. And it's great that we have folks who've been in the industry, such as yourself, Doris, who've done it the right way. Uh, I, I know I've picked your brain many a times and I've tried to connect you with people who had questions for you and you've always been gracious with your time in that regard. And, and I, I truly do appreciate that. I uh, appreciate you for all that you have done and will continue to do as that voice for the NBA uh, on, on ESPN and ABC. Uh, Doris, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Funny. Thank you both for having me. It was a lot of fun. There it was. The goat. <laughs> Doris Burke. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Great stuff from Doris. Between Jason, what were some of the things that jumped out to you? I've got some things that I want to talk about, about Doris. But what jumped out to you, Kwani? I mean, everything. <laughs> but, uh, I would say maybe the answer about Jalen Brown winning the three-point shooting contest, even though I did agree with her, it is one of those, I think, the part of the weekend where we'll all be tuned in because we really don't know. And, right. you know, to be able to watch them play and him go back home to Atlanta, I think it's going to be a really exciting experience for everyone. Yeah, I, I found it fascinating hearing her talk about Robert Williams and Time Lord uh, and, and just how important she sees him being and, and just how you know she like a lot of us are really unsure whether Brad is at a point where he's confident enough to put time lot out there for major minutes. Uh, that I think that is going to be a just a developing story as the season progresses. Uh, Rob Williams, at least what he's doing now though, is he's earning Brad's trust down the stretch. If you start looking at the last couple of games and you look at who's on the floor when the game matters most in the fourth quarter, you're finding Rob Williams is, is logging a decent amount of minutes in that regard, and that's a very good sign for him and a good sign for the Celtics because you know and, and, and again we, we talked about this earlier when you're trying to chip away at that you know that that Philadelphia that Brooklyn that Milwaukee wall that exists between the upper echelon teams in the east and the rest you're going to need a difference maker you're going to need someone who has game changing potential you're going to need Rob Williams to be that guy uh, because I think he really is as the Celtics continue to progress through the regular season and into the playoffs, I think he will be that ultimate wild card for them. You know, I, I, I was, I was, you know, I was talking with someone earlier about this about he has a lot, and then again, a different kind of player, different kind of player. 
but he has a little bit of Marcus Smart is in him. And, and from the standpoint of there's so many things about him that you like, but there's a couple of things that you don't. And those couple of things make you a little bit queasy about feeling comfortable with him being the ultimate difference maker that you're going to need. And I think Brad and the Celtics are still trying to feel out whether Rob is ready to take that next step and be that reliable, steady, consistent impact difference maker that we've seen in spurts or whether or not they still need to kind of rein him in a little bit, keep him on a, a, a little bit of a, a tighter minutes uh, situation where he's not necessarily playing starter like minutes. Yeah, I'm glad we had the opportunity to talk with Doris Burke today. What do you have coming down the pipeline with other stuff that you've been doing? Oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. Uh, let's see. What do we got? We've got a uh, Bleach Report. I, I uh, do some stuff for them. And I'm actually, I've got a piece coming out. It might be out now. It's either coming out today or it's coming out this week. It's it's focusing on just the, the, the lack of black head coaches in the NBA. And I, I talked to a, a few executives about that, and they give me reason why they think that may be changing sooner rather than later, even in the light of Lloyd Pierce, uh, who was just fired in Atlanta uh, and was pl- replaced by a- another a black head coach in-, in Nate McMillan. So there's that. Uh, for Boston Sports Journal, I've got something coming later this week over the weekend. Uh, looking at Danny Ainge, looking into the Danny Ainge crystal ball. Uh, I had a conversation with him, and, and we'll we'll get into just some of the, the challenges that he has both in the present and future going forward. Uh, as putting this roster together and trying to get this team as close as he can to being a legitimate, no question title contender. So got those things coming in. Obviously, this podcast, uh, which I love to death, powered by BetOnline.ag, yeah. uh, and Kwani, you got a couple things coming down the pipeline too with NBC Ten, right? Yes, for ten questions with NBC Ten Boston. I just talked to to launch off also Women's History Month. Jen Walter, she's the first female NFL coach. So we talked to her about her career and she's a badass. Yeah, she is. She is awesome. I like, yeah, she was really cool. So also a BC alum that was not planned, but definitely check that out. I mention that. I know, but I had to. NBC10Boston.com slash 10 questions. And of course I have to always give a shout out to betonline.ag. Remind me, (laughs) I want you guys to remember to subscribe and like, leave us a comment. In light of Women's History Month, you know, for me at least, Black History Month just ended me and Sherrod. Give us a review, give us some comments, and again, share it with your friends and keep this podcast running as you usually do. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. BetOnline.ag partners with the A List podcast with A. Sherrod Blakely and Kwani yeah. A. Lunas. Uh, Kwani, another one in the books. Well yeah. done, well done. We'll keep it going next week. And again, for Sherrod Blakely, Kwani A. Lunas, this is the A-List Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.